0: Welcome to the Prairie Heights podcast. Thanks for listening today. I hope it motivates you. I hope it builds your faith and helps you connect with Christ and a church family here at Prairie Heights. Enjoy the message.
1: Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's stand for our community, right? I can't even tell you in words how excited I was last week to kick us off for stand. Uh, So much so I started a thing, like I just started running around taking selfies with a bunch of you that you were wearing your stand t-shirts, and so I want you to know when you get your stand t-shirt, if you're out in our community, get ready, because if I see you, we're taking a picture together, okay? You in? You good for that? Okay, well, too bad, I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) I love that we get to do this together. On the back of the shirt is a heartbeat that comes from Ephesians 3, of how we're going to stand together for our community. We're going to stand filled with God's love. We're going to stand knowing who we are, rooted in our faith in Jesus, grounded in our faith. And we're going to believe together that God can do way more, way more than you and I could even imagine. And that's how we're going to stand for our community our mission here at Pray Heights is to connect those apart from God with Christ and a church family. And our vision over the next two years specifically is gonna to be to stand for change lives, to stand for future generations and to stand for transform community. If you missed last week, I want to encourage you, you you don't want to miss it, so go back and watch it, would you please? Um, It's too important for you to miss, uh, really important for you to see the kickoff of stand as you engage your heart with what God is doing through our church. So be sure to do that if you missed last week. We've got two specific goals for stand. Our number one primary goal is 100% engagement. Yes, you heard me right, 100% engagement. Every one of us that calls Pray Heights our church home, I want us to engage our hearts. I want us to grow in our faith. I want us to all spend intentional time asking God, God, how would you invite me to participate in Stan? How would you invite me to engage with Stan? And I believe that when we do that, it's gonna grow our faith. Our secondary goal is 7.7 million over the next two years. And I gotta tell you, at this service last week, when I first shared 7.7 million, I think the whole room went, (gasps) and held their breath for a little bit. (laughs) I wanna tell you if that number scares you, we're gonna come back to that. I'll explain a little more today. I want you to not use that as an excuse, as a wall, as something that would stand in the way for God to speak to you. And so we're gonna unpack that a little more today. Today, we're gonna focus on the initiative of transform community. And here's a few of the stats from our local community. And when I say local community, again, I mean Cass and Clay County. In Cass and Clay County, we live in a community where the rate of anxiety, depression, addiction is higher than the national average. We live in a community where families have an income that is higher than the national average, but also have a higher debt load per family according to the national average. And so I believe and I know with all my heart, that when we choose to stand for transformed community, we will proactively close gaps in mental, financial, and emotional health. And the word proactive is very important. I'm gonna spend some time explaining that today. It's so important to our vision moving forward that we will choose to be more proactive than reactive and this idea of having a proactive approach this isn't new this isn't a brand new idea. Uh, Desmond Tutu is one of South Africa's most well-known human rights activists. He was born in 1931 in South Africa and he became the first black archbishop and he was quoted as saying this there comes a point where we need to stop just pulling people out of the river we need to go upstream and find out why they're falling in. And so what, what would it look like if you and I decided let's find out why? What are all the reasons why we have higher rates of anxiety, depression, suicide, addiction? Why is it that we have more families that are living a life that is stressful in the area of their finances? that have a higher debt load, why is that? Let's get to the core of that, and I believe that as we get to the, get to the core of the financial one, specifically, uh, a lot of it, not all of it, doesn't even have to do with finances. Some of it does, but I believe that if we get to the core, what does it look like for us to get to the core and to go upstream, to meet people, Upstream, before it even becomes a problem, there's a book and it's named Upstream and it talks about this very idea. The author is Dan Heath. He's a best-selling author and entrepreneur expert. This entire book describes the idea of going upstream and actually solving problems before they even become problems. And guess what? You and I don't think prevention is sexy. We don't think it's flashy. We don't think it's like the, the it thing to do. Because prevention means it never happens. We actually prevent things from happening and it's hard for us to go upstream because we're so used to reacting. But what would it look like in our local community if we didn't even need a food bank? What if we met each other's needs in such a way that we didn't even need a food bank, we didn't need a homeless shelter? And don't get me wrong, those resources are vitally important to our community. And I thank every single person who is a part of that. But I think we would also all celebrate if we didn't need either. Right? Because it means we solved some problems before it got there. And so what would it look like for you and I to be intentional, in our church family, we are. We're gonna be intentional about shifting our energy as a church to go upstream when it comes to specific needs in our community, in mental, financial, and emotional health specifically. And we all understand this idea. We do, because we live it every single day. How many of you have gone to Ace Hardware, or gone to a local uh, hardware shop, Shields, anything local, Target, and gotten Drano? Have you ever gotten Drano? Drano is a reactive approach. And guess what we do? How many people have used Drano for longer than six months to a year? You just keep buying Drano, thinking it's gonna solve something. I don't know, I did it for a season and I decided that I didn't really care about all the hair that was going down the drain. I didn't think like I should stop doing that so that I didn't have to buy Drano anymore. Or I didn't think like, hey, maybe I should just call a plumber and see if there's something wrong with my pipes, instead of just trying to pour Drano every other day into the drain. <laughs> Have you, you've been there, right? Drano in itself is a reactive approach. The second example I wanna give is, is parenting. That's it. Like parenting in itself can be very reactionary, can't it? Yes, let me give some specific examples. Let's talk about tomorrow morning, which is Monday morning. Monday mornings, if you have kids that go to school. The proactive approach to parenting when it comes to your kid getting ready for school is having a consistent bedtime, having clear expectations on everything that needs to happen for them to be ready for school on their own, their bag packed, their clothes picked out, they've got everything they need the night before. specific wake up time and a routine in the morning that they can predict, that is a proactive approach to school mornings. But what happens? We don't always stick to those proactive approaches. And so then we find ourselves saying, hurry up! And you all get, finally you all get in the car and you're like halfway down the street and they're like, mom, I forgot my boots. And you're like, I don't care, I'm sorry. Like, what do you want me to do about it? But what do we do instead? We think those things in our head, or we say them out loud, but we turn the car around, and we pull up in the driveway, and we let them go get their boots. Reactive approach. What does it look like to be proactive? It's to get in front of it. It's to solve the problem before it even becomes a problem. See, quick fixes help us in the moment, right? In the moment. They relieve momentary stress, but they in no way actually solve the problem. In the end, the shortcuts and quick fixes always come back to bite us. And let me tell you about the, the, our kids. Our kids actually appreciate our reaction to them so much so it has become a form of their entertainment. Like we have become a form of their entertainment when we react. And so what does it look like for us to not fall in to the quick fixes? American churches have gotten really good at being Drano. American churches have gotten really good at being Drano about putting Band-Aids on things. What would it look like? What would it look like if we were a part of going upstream? Of solving the problems of our community before they even become problems. One of the most proactive approaches to a healthy life and a, and a thriving life, not an easy life, not a convenient life, is having Jesus be the center of your life. Let's talk about when we take a look at Jesus' life, he was all about meeting people exactly where they were and not just giving them what they asked for, but he was so good at knowing what they needed and giving them what they needed, even if they didn't ask for that. We find a perfect example of that in Matthew nine, it's verses two through six. Let me read this story for us. Uh, Let me set some context first. There was a house that Jesus was in and there was a whole crowd that was gathered around. And so um, it starts in verse two and it says, and they brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a stretcher. Who's they? Four friends. Four friends cared so much about their, their paralyzed friend that they put him on a stretcher and they carried him up to the top of the house. They made a hole in the top of the house and they lowered their friend down right in front of Jesus because there was no other way to get through the crowd. They loved him so much. And seeing, let's go on in scripture, and seeing their faith, Jesus saw their the guy's friend's faith, Jesus said to the man who was paralyzed, take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. Can you imagine at that moment being the man on the mat or being the four friends? And they're all thinking, we didn't ask for that. I just, we just wanted him to walk. I didn't ask for my sins to be forgiven. Have you ever been there in your spiritual walk? where you're asking God for something and you feel like he's not answering your prayer, but really he is, and it's just in a way that you didn't expect. See, God always knows what we need. And he knows how to meet us in exactly what we need. Let's go on in the story. It says, and some of the scribes, that's like the religious leaders of the day, said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. And Jesus, perceiving their thoughts, said, why are you thinking evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralyzed man, get up, pick up your stretcher and go home. Isn't that incredible? What do you see Jesus doing here? And he did it so many times during his life on earth. He connected to the heart of the person first. He knew what he really needed. And he said, I'm gonna forgive your sins first. I'm gonna heal your heart before I heal your physical body. I'm gonna say, I forgive you of your sins and then I'm gonna tell you to get up and walk. And the other thing that Jesus did is he always cared about the person sitting right in front of him and he never wanted anything back from them. He healed the friend do you know like can you imagine the commotion there were so many people there that they couldn't even get in the door And Jesus noticed the four friends and he saw the man and he knew what he needed and he didn't ask the friends he didn't say if I do this for your friend will you do this for me There was not a if then there was not a give take Jesus didn't have stipulations to the love and the healing that he was giving He always cares about the person that's sitting right in front of him. And that's something that you and I can learn today that Jesus showed us how to love people and then he asked us to do just that. And so we are gonna love people like Jesus has asked us to love. We're gonna love with no strings attached. And we're gonna get to the heart of the matter. We're not just gonna react or put a Band-Aid on it. What would it look like if we got to the heart of the matter, if we got to the core? of our own lives. I mean, it starts with us, right? We've gotta be willing to get to the core of our life as we serve and look outside our walls and meet people's needs of our community. What would it look like if we used a proactive approach that said we're not just gonna ignore, we're not just gonna talk about the surface, but we're gonna get in there and get to the core of the issues that we're facing, we're gonna be real about that, as a church community, as a local church, and then as a Cass, as being part of Cass and Clay County, we're gonna look at the issues of our community with a whole lot of love, but do it in a way that's gonna be helpful. And so when you engage, as you're praying about how God would invite you to engage and stand, and as you choose to give financially to stand, I wanna give you a couple things of what you are giving to, what are you giving to, specifically in the area and the goals of transform community. So here's a couple goals that we want to accomplish. Uh, we're going to focus on strengthening and creating partnerships with organizations strong in each of the categories of mental health, emotional health, financial health. We've had a long-standing relationship with Valley Christian Counseling Center here in our local community. Uh, we look to continue to expand our partnership with them. And one of those ways might look like having counselors on site on Wednesday night. And Wednesday night is our oxygen for middle and high school students. What would it look like if we were able to have counselors here on site who are trained adults who love Jesus, who can offer more guidance and support for our middle and high school students and help them in their time of need, meet them exactly where they're at. Another thing we're going to look to do is to increase our servilization projects You hear me say servilization, if you're new to Prairie Heights, you're wondering, is that a word? (laughs) It's not, (laughs) we made it up. And it simply means that when we see a need, we're gonna meet a need. Servilization means it's us serving our community. We're gonna increase the amount of things that we are doing in our local community through partnerships specifically with local schools. That's going upstream. That's meeting needs of people and families that might not otherwise come into our doors because regardless of a family knows Jesus or not, whether they're living apart from Christ or they're living with Christ, where do all kids go in our community? They go to school. And so we're gonna do a better job of going upstream and getting connected into serving and loving our schools with no strings attached. We don't need our name on it. I'm just letting you know like it's not about Prairie Heights putting our name out everywhere because it's not about us. It's about us in the sense that we're about meeting needs and going in and, and helping to meet needs in whatever way we can. One of the ways that we look, we're looking to do that is sponsoring financial curriculum in the middle and high schools. That we would help every middle and high school in our local community have access For middle school students and high school students to choose to look, to learn how to do their personal finances, that's going upstream. It's learning how to do that before they go out on their own, before they get married. Did anybody else have a hard time navigating finances right when you got married? Me and Kyle did. Anybody else? Go ahead. Raise your hand, because I know you're not alone. So seriously, raise your hand. Watch this room. (laughs) It's not easy, and you don't have to be ashamed about it. You don't have to feel guilty about it. Guess what? Jesus can help you. Honestly, your engagement with Stan can help release some of the control and the tension and can actually cause some really healthy conversations in this area. And part of Transform Community, one of our initiatives is to get into the schools uh, and to help provide this, no strings attached. We will go upstream and solve problems before they become problems. We will work on prevention and we're gonna to begin to engage in this right away, like right when summer hits, we're gonna start engaging in these initiatives. But I want you to know, when it comes to transform community, that takes years. It's gonna take years. These next two years, we are gonna build a foundation and we are gonna plant a bunch of seeds and it's gonna require us to be diligent and to be patient. Patience is a virtue that I have learned uh, a lot in a variety of areas, but specifically in my home as I'm married uh, to Kyle, who is a farmer. He's a fifth generation farmer on his family farm. And uh, we're coming on planting season. And so what that means for our family, as soon as it dries up, (laughs) as soon as there's no more rain and the ground is dry enough what it looks like is Kyle's gonna get up at 5 a.m. Uh, or a little earlier and he's gonna head off to the farm as soon as he can and he gets there, he'll get into his planter and he will begin planting each of the fields on their family farm. And just for fun, this last week I asked Kyle, I said, hey, how many seeds does it take to plant an approximately 1,000-acre farm? And he said, well, it depends on what crop. And I'm like, okay. I, I don't get any of that, (laughs) as we started to explain. But I was like, okay, just give me general. And he did this whole math thing, and he texted me back, and and it's complicated for me, really easy for him. But he came back, and he said, it can be around, get this, for a 1,000-acre farm, 144 million seeds. What? 144 million seeds are required to plant a thousand acre farm. So from sunup to sundown for about three to four weeks, he and all the other farmers in our community and across the Midwest will work tirelessly to get all the fields planted. And they'll do that before it's too late, before the growing season is too short and the crop won't have enough time to grow. And then what do they do? They care for the ground and, and they slowly watch, week by week, they watch as the crop begins to grow until it's harvest time. It requires diligence, it requires patience, a whole lot of prayer. I tell Kyle all the time, I'm like, I don't know how farmers do this business without Jesus. Like, his, our livelihood in a lot of ways is dependent on the weather and a whole lot of faith. And God's shown up for us, I can't even tell you, countless times through Kyle's obedience and his prayer life when it comes to the farm, and I'll share all those stories sometime down the road. But what does this mean for us at Prairie Heights? We need to be willing to plant seeds and wait for the harvest. We need to be willing to be the ones that are gonna plant the seeds, and and we may see some results, but we also have to be okay if we aren't the one to see the results, if it's our kids and the future generations that see the results of what we do in this season, in these next two years. We've gotta have that kind of patience. Planting seeds looks like giving teenagers more adult support and resources to increase their chances of living a healthier mental and emotional life. Planting seeds looks like giving students access to financial curriculum to learn how to manage their personal finances before they go off on their own. Planting seeds looks like meeting kids and families' basic needs without expecting anything back just loving people where they're at and meeting them with what they need. This idea of planting seeds, it isn't just true for us about stand as we stand for transformed community, but it's true in our spiritual walk with Jesus as well. As I said earlier, our number one goal of stand is 100% engagement. That every single one of us would ask God how he's asking us to engage. I will unapologetically ask for that because I don't want anyone to miss out. Did you hear Doug's story? Like when he gave that coat, he didn't want to. And many of you might be in a place right now where you're like, ugh, I don't know if I even wanna pray, but I don't want you to miss out on what God has for you and for your life. I want you to engage in this. I believe that if you're willing to do that and when we're willing to do that together, that you're gonna grow in trust. And that by taking the step of faith without having all the answers, you're gonna grow. Because let's remember like that's what faith is. Faith is stepping out when we don't know how it's all gonna turn out. Faith is stepping out when we don't know how it all adds up. That's what faith is. We have to leave a space in our life for God to show up and do the things that only he can do, right? If we just operate our daily life and do the things that only we can do on our own, where's the room for God, Let's leave a lot of space for God to show up in ways that seem impossible. That's what we're believing through STAND. I wanna come back to the 7.7 million because I know you've been thinking about it, so let's talk about it. Our secondary goal is to expand total giving to 7.7 million over the next two years. STAND is a one-fund initiative. What does that mean? That means that all giving out of our annual budget for two years and expanded giving for those two years is all totaled together. So let me break it out just a little bit. 7.7 million. Our regular, regular operating budget is right around 2.5 million. So for two years, 2.5 million, 2.5 million. Add that together and you get... Yeah, good job. Easy math. <laughs> so 7.7 minus 5 million is 2.7 in expanded giving. And so that gives you an idea. So the 2.7, I want to talk about that for just a second. Like when we think about that, that's our seed planting. That's us planting the seeds of growth. That's us standing for change lives, future generations, transform community. And so. I believe that together, we are all gonna see what God has. I'm sharing the goal of 7.7 million to be clear, to be transparent, and to put a God goal out there that we can pray for. And so along with praying how you're gonna participate, will you pray that God would answer the 7.7 million? Would you commit to that? Can you commit to that? And I want you to know, I'm not losing sleep about 7.7 million. You need to know that. As a lead pastor casting this vision, I'm not losing sleep about 7.7 million because if God wants to answer that, he will answer that. The way he answers that is through all of us being obedient. Guess how God does this? He speaks to every single one of us. And then when we answer and we obey and collectively it comes together and if we meet that financial goal of 7.7 or higher, we say, praise God because he gets the credit. We don't get the credit for that. God gets the credit for that. Let me tell you what I really care about. I really care about your heart. I really care about you taking this opportunity and not being scared of stepping into the conversation with God, the conversation with the people in your house about your relationship with God and your relationship with money, because you know what, that's gonna unpack a whole lot more than just those two things. And I believe it can bring healing. I believe it can stretch your faith. If this walk that we're on with Jesus was meant to be safe or easy or convenient, then it wasn't gonna be worth it. It's not gonna be worth it. In order for us to stand for the people of our community, we've got to first on a heart level say, God, what do you wanna do in me? What do you wanna do in me first? We've received several emails and messages from people who are so excited about Stand, who are leaning in to Stand already. I wanna read one of them for all of us today. It came in just this last week. And a Prairie Hider, he said, we tuned into the Sunday service live stream for the kickoff of Stand. And I find the timing and message to be really peculiar. I love that word. <laughs> and in my head I'm thinking, oh no, this is exactly the right time. Exactly for your story, for God to meet you, just like Jesus met that, that guy on the mat. I'm thinking God's gonna meet you in this. He goes on to say, I went through a period where in a sense I abandoned a relationship with Christ. Part of the reason he did that is his church that he went to growing up, there was an illegal action by the leadership and it had to do with money. And so I talked about that last week. I get it, there's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of past that gets in the way of us finding healing in this area and that's his story. And he walked away from Jesus and I hate that. I hate that. Because I get it. People are messy. People are messy inside the church, outside the church. And it has a, a direct impact on people's relationship with Jesus. And so I'm so glad that he's tuning in. I'm so glad that he has an opportunity to find healing. He says, since then, I've had an uneasy relationship with churches and money. And that makes sense. Goes on, so it was interesting to hear about the STAN initiative and best confrontation of the topic of church plus finances. I appreciate her honesty, but I will admit that I'm still working through it. I wanted to tell you that this is his story because I'm sure it's many of your stories. You're not alone. Keep working through it. Would you agree to pray and ask God how he wants you to keep working through it? So hearing the goals of Prairie Heights to tackle the issues of our community faces head on is wonderful. He goes on to say, money was a tumultuous topic in my household growing up. I also suffer with anxiety and addiction, so hearing those specifics called out was very powerful. Returning to my faith has helped immensely and has helped me find the the worth needed to make the effort to help myself be better. I know he's not alone. I know his story reflects many of your stories. And I just wanna encourage all of us to keep leaning in. And if you wanna share your story, we would love to hear your story. Let's get back to our planning analogy. In 2 Corinthians 9, six through eight, this scripture really embodies what our, one of our core values is here at Prayites, which is give generously. And so let me walk us through this. In 2 Corinthians 9, six through eight, it says, remember this, A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. If Kyle only plants two fields, how many fields will he have to harvest? That's not a trick question. (laughs) Two. And that's only a portion of his farm. But if they plant every single field, then they get a harvest of their whole field. Do you see, like, if he, if he cuts it and only does two, then he only gets two. But if he does more, then he gets it all. That's the same for us. If we only plant a little, we only get a little. But if we give everything we got, we get to see God work in incredible ways. And then it proves in our relationship with him that he's our provider and he will always provide. Let's go on in scripture, it says, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide, this is, this is the verse and my prayer for every single one of you through stand. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. This is a heart decision. Decide in your heart how much to give. My only ask of you is Would you say this to God? Would you be open handed to God to say, Would you be brave enough to say, God, I'm available, speak to my heart, and I will listen? That's all I'm asking. And scripture's telling us you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly. Don't give in response to pressure. You don't have to give. You don't have to give at Prairie Heights to belong here. You don't have to choose to be a part. My heart's desire is that you would want to be a part and that God would invite you to be a part. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. It's okay for us to give cheerfully even when like you feel it even when it's like, oh, this is gonna be a sacrifice, this is gonna be a stretch, you can still have joy. And that's when you know it's God at work in your life. You can still have peace, and that's when you know it's God. And God will generously provide all you need, and then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. God's our ultimate provider, and he can provide for you. I can't tell you the amount of times God has shown up for Kyle and I when we've stretched our faith, specifically in our finances, and I'll talk more about that next week. See, God's provision for his people is the local church. Go all the way back in history, and if you're part of a local church, that local church family would take care of you. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna care for one another, and we're gonna be really intentional about the way that we care and stand for the people of our community. And that's the way that God is gonna show up through our lives, See, this is not a new idea, this has been God's desire all along. And I wanna give you, just paint a little bit of a picture of what does it look like for us to stand for transform transformed community right here in Cass and Clay County. Take a look.
2: Well, hi, I'm Troy Cody. I'm uh, I'm an educator in the Fargo-Moorhead region.
0: Hi, my name is Katie Smith and I am a teacher in West Fargo.
2: I think it's easy for all of us to see the gap that exists between families and students um, and what it takes for them to be successful.
0: We spend quite a bit of our own money on just students in my classroom. That's 20 kids out of hundreds of kids in in our school that don't have the things they need on a daily basis. We've brought dinner to my family's homes. We've purchased clothes for my students. Um, This year we bought water bottles for half my class because the drinking fountains were turned off for COVID purposes. And so students, they were drinking one thing of milk at lunch and had nothing to drink the rest of the day. And families couldn't afford a simple water bottle.
2: I know Beth has said many times, that we want to leave a legacy, and so standing uh, up for something you believe wholeheartedly uh, really is is could change the course of a life uh, for even one young person. Recognizing a need and and meeting that need right where it's at.
0: Prairie Heights wants to purchase a finance curriculum for the high schools to be able to use to teach students how to manage their money, so that when they leave high school. They know how to balance their bank accounts. We can set them up so that they aren't going into deeper debt. We want them to be successful when they leave high school.
2: Prairie Heights believes in, in, in people. And they believe in changed lives. And knowing that this is one small component in the stand, investment, that, that by Recognizing that we all have a small part and when we put and link all of these small little parts together, they, they, they can do some pretty amazing things when, when they're all linked together.
1: So look at the opportunity that we have. Look at the opportunity that we have to stand for transformed community, to stand in the gap for mental, emotional, and financial health. And there are gonna be more opportunities down the road. And, and I know as you're processing, one of the questions that you might be asking yourself is can I afford this? Can I afford this? And I would just challenge all of us to shift that question and ask ourselves, can we afford not to? Can we afford not to? stand in the gap for kids, and for teens, and for young adults, and for all adults in the areas of mental, emotional, financial health, can we afford not to? What would it look like if a group of people said yes to just obeying Jesus and saying, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of seeing our community be a healthier place, all because of how Jesus shows us how to love people, and that we're obedient in our own walk. And I believe that together we can make a great impact. And so we're gonna sing a song right now, it's called, There's Nothing That Our God Can't Do. And I want all of us to believe that there is nothing that God can't do that's for you in your life, whatever circumstances you might be facing personally, and it's for our church. There's nothing that God can't do. And I believe that, and so as we sing that, I hope that song hits you, and then I'm gonna come up after for just a quick minute to explain a few more details, and so let's stand and let's sing this song together. Miss greater things for our community and for all of us. And we will believe in the power of Jesus at work within us. And so as you leave today, you're going to receive a booklet. It's a stand booklet inside that is a commitment card. I believe clarity is kindness. Give me just 30 seconds to walk through this. If you have never given at Prairie Heights, if this is a first time step for you to give, the first box is what you are processing. It's what you're praying about, is this first box of if God's inviting you to give, what would that amount be for one year, for 12 months? What would that amount be? If you're already giving at Prairie Heights in whatever capacity, the second box is for you. The first one, fill in what you're already giving, in the second box, then you are praying about what is an expanded amount that God might invite you to give. What are... creative ideas you could sell stuff other things i'm going to share some stories next week of how god's already moving for people in that what you do is you add those two amounts together what you would give normally and regularly the first box the second box the expanded amount for one year you put that right here and you times it times two to get your total stand commitment your two-year commitment Clarity is kindness. When are we gonna start to give? We begin to give on June 1st of 2022. And this initiative and vision goes through May of 2024. And on May 15th is the day that you and I are gonna use this as a result of our spiritual growth. And we're gonna hand it in together on May 15th during the service. We're gonna have an opportunity to celebrate what God is doing. And we're gonna commit to our faith through this commitment. Uh, Today, if you haven't gotten your stand t-shirt, you can head to the stand hub on the south side of the lobby. We're going to have a question and answer time for stand. If you have more questions, uh, come on up up front and Doug's going to be here and he would love to answer any questions that you might have. Have a great Sunday. Can't wait for next Sunday as we celebrate all women, Mother's Day and future generations. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to Prairie Heights. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit prairieheights.com give for more information. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or even take a screenshot and share it on your social media and tag us at Prairie Heights. Thanks for listening and God bless.